faithful. He's very faithful. If I could just be faithful. <laughs> That's what I keep saying. Lord, I just want to be faithful. And sometimes even when I think he's not faithful, and I'll be honest with you, this morning was one of those mornings, and I was just like, Lord. And he showed himself to be so faithful today. I was on the way over here tonight just thanking him for how he met me and such. That was my prayer this morning. Lord, I just need you to meet me where I'm at. And he did. He's so, so faithful. You know, it's, it's even his faithfulness tonight as I look out and I get to see that we're here together studying this because I have wanted to write a Bible study on Romans 6 for a long time. And I even tried to do it, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago, and it just, I was pushing, and it, it just wasn't the time. And um, just to be able to see that come together and to see that there are women eager to study and that we've got women online who are eager to study and, and be a part of this, it's really exciting to me. Uh, we do have that group that's going to be uh, joining us online, and so I will reference them sometimes, so just know that they're there. And uh, just pray for them, too, as, as we pray in, in groups, you know, sometimes each week that we pray for them as well, that God's really working in their lives. But I want to tell you, as we study, you're going to be packing two suitcases. Okay, now you may not have realized that. You might not like to pack, but you're going to be packing two suitcases the whole time through this study. And one of those is a suitcase of truth. And it's going to just be filled with all kinds of things that the Lord wants us to pack along and have with us for this life journey. There's also going to be a suitcase of self <laughs> that we're going to also be packing. And it's the things that we are going to want to just pack them all up and just throw them in the river or wherever you want to get with those things. But there are just some things in every one of us that the Lord needs to just purge out of our lives and, and move on. You know, it's time. It's time to say so long self. And ever since I heard that song, even so long self, I immediately thought of Romans 6 when that song came out several years ago because I thought, Lord, that's what this is about. It's just being able to say so long to self and to embrace this life that God has given us. What we're going to do is spend the next 10 weeks for asking the Lord to show us, how do, I, how do I actually do that? How do I say goodbye to myself? And I want to share with you as we get started, and this is some of that kind of first day of school stuff, you know, just I want you to understand the structure of this study so you can, you know, just hit the ground running tonight as, as you leave here and we give you your study materials. Really, this study is divided into three different parts. There's going to be teaching, and I'm going to be doing that every week, and I'll share a message with you from the, from the verses that we're on. We'll focus on a very specific set of verses each week. For instance, this week, it's going to be Romans 6, 1, and 2. Most weeks, it's going to be two verses. There are a couple weeks in order to get it into the time so we can finish by Thanksgiving, okay? There's 23 verses in Romans 6, so there are a couple weeks that you're going to have to do three, okay? But most times, it's just going to be two verses. But we'll teach and we'll focus on those two verses. Now, when you leave here tonight, you're going to get some teaching notes. And basically, what it is, is a summary of what I've just shared with you. I still would encourage you to take notes because many times as we're going through the word, the Holy Spirit will say something to you in a certain way, which is not even really what I said, but the Lord uses his word to speak to where we're at. So you're not going to necessarily find what the Holy Spirit said to you in my notes. So, you know, take your own notes. But that is going to give you a summary as well. And it gives you something to refer back to in the future. So you're going to pick up some notes as you leave. And that's going to focus all around the teaching time. But then also you're going to want to memorize. That's, one, that's the second part of this whole study. And you might be thinking in your mind, well, I'm going to do the study and I'm going to come to the teaching, but I don't memorize. I don't memorize very well. So I'll just kind of act like I'm doing it, but I'm not really going to do it. And I'm going to tell you from the beginning, don't do that. 
you need to try to memorize. I know some of you in here have memorized with us before, and probably some of you that haven't, you, you memorize scripture and you know that you can do that. But I am certain that there are some sitting with us tonight and, and those listening online that they've, they've already decided, I can't memorize. You know, I don't even know my phone number. You know, it's in my phone. I can't do this. So you've already decided. But I want to encourage you, you know, try. Even if you only get three of the verses, that's more than you would have if you didn't try at all. And memorization is a muscle. It's like a muscle. It's like if I went out and tried to run five miles right now, I couldn't do that, you know. But if I, if I kept at it for a while, I would be, get stronger and stronger. It's the same thing with your memory. And so you might not get through the whole passage this time, although that should be your goal, but try. Don't, don't just say from the very beginning that you can't memorize because that's a really important part of this whole thing because I'm telling you, the more you meditate on this passage, the more you're just going to be walking down the road and something's just going to fly in your mind from the Holy Spirit about it and you're going to see it in a fresh way, something new and something fresh. I've been you know, working on memorizing. I've, I've already started. I started about three weeks ago and it's just been amazing to me just at the different times that the Lord just flies something through my mind, but it's because I have that scripture already stored in my heart. And a lot of times when you're memorizing, you pick up on little words that you would never see if you weren't memorizing because you would just read over them real quick. But you got to get those words exactly right. And so you go over and over and you go, oh, I didn't get that before. You know, and it's, it's constant. It just keeps working. And that's just the way that the word is powerful and alive. And you miss out on it if you don't hide it in your heart with memory work. So really try to do that. And, and if, you, if you're not sure how to do it, we've got some memorization tips on our website. Because everybody memorizes different. For instance, I have to see it in my Bible. I have to see it on the page. And that's why I'm, it's kind of a little of a struggle for me now because of some parts of my Bible are starting to fall apart and I really need to get another one. In fact, I've already had this one rebound, but I can't find another one that's like exactly laid out the same. I've even looked online trying to find this exact edition, but because I will be lost as far as when I'm looking at things that I've memorized already because I know it's right there at the top, you know, and those kinds of things. So, you know, everybody's different. I'm a visual memorizer. Some people are auditory. Some people want to put it on a card or write it down or whatever, but you got to kind of find your style and find how it works for you. But look at those memorization tips and, you know, talk to the people in the room you know say I really want to do this this is something I really want to embrace during this time of Bible study and and share and talk to me about it I'd love to help you you know work through that because it is such a powerful thing but that's definitely a part of it and then also you will get a study guide of lessons every week as you come to Bible study and it's going to look you got um a little bit of stuff when you first walked in you got the the front page really for your study and then a pace um you got an opening letter and a pacing guide on the back which will tell you how you know it's all divided out but when you leave here you're going to get the notes and then you're also going to get some lessons the notes are about four pages and then you're going to get some lessons where you'll just work through and there's four days of lessons each week so you can space it out however you want to that way some of you might want to get it done in four days but I would say don't wait until Wednesday night and try to do it all at one time because you won't be able to get through it with any kind of real meaning. You know, you'll just be rushing through to say you did it. So you really want to space it out. And you might want to space it out, you know, over six or seven days and, and just draw it out a little bit further. But as you go through those lessons, there's going to be three things that happen every day in those lessons. Of course, you'll be in the Word. But three other things that will happen in those lessons are that you're going to have stop moments. And you'll, they're very, you know, evident. You'll see where they're at. But I really want to encourage you, don't rush over those times. You really want to stop and do what it's asking you to do. Maybe it's asking you to reflect. 
or to pray about something specific or to think on something or meditate on something. Don't rush through those stop moments. Make sure you do them. There's also going to be some um, memorization practice moments in every day, and that's going to help you. So if you were thinking, I'm not going to do the memorization, it's going to be hitting you in the face every day that you're doing your lesson. It's going to remind you. And even in that, I try to take you through, well, you know, probably by today you should be at this point, knowing, you know, this much of the verse. And I'll, I'll do different things with you like that. So you want to hit those memorization times. And also, each day in the lesson, in every one of the lessons, you're going to have what's called packing times, okay? When you leave here tonight as well with your study, you're going to get a suitcase page. And it looks like this, okay? And you're going to have a suitcase of self. You're going to have a suitcase of truth. And as you go through, the Lord is going to be showing you some things. He's going to be pointing out truths to you that maybe you knew before, but wow, it's something you say, I need to grab a hold of that and live by that. Or you're seeing it in a fresh way. Or maybe it's something you didn't even know. And what you want to do is go in and start just writing those things down. And every one of us, our suitcases are going to look different as we finish out this study. But you're going to have a suitcase of self and a suitcase of truth packed. Because the one for self, as the Lord reveals some things to you, as you give him time over these next 10 weeks to reveal some things to you, you're going to see some things that, wow, I need to be packing up. I, I really, it's time. It is just time for us to just say goodbye to these things. And, you know, it's, if you just think it and you don't write it down or you don't make any kind of commitment to it, by the end of the study, you, you've long forgotten it. But if you've written it down, you're going to make a commitment to that thing, hopefully, and you're going to have it staring you in the face at the end. So those are some things that are going to be going on with the study that I wanted you, you know, to know about. Really divided into three parts, the teaching that you'll also get some notes with, the memorization, and then the study itself. And there's some different things that go on, like I just shared with you, each day. Uh, we're also going to have some worship and, like I said, some of that you know, fellowship activity time each week. But those are the things that we will be doing. And hopefully all that makes sense and we'll just kind of get into a flow. It's really not hard at all. I'm a pretty simple person. So it, it, it'll all hopefully make sense. And you'll also want to have a notebook that will have the holes punched for you, but you'll want to have a notebook. And those of you online, you're going to have own and you can punch your own holes or figure out how to do it so but we can't we can't figure out how to make it punch holes from online you'll have to figure we're doing really good to even just have the thing online much less have the holes punched Kelly you don't know about punching holes online do you no okay so we're gonna we're gonna leave that to the people who are are printing it for themselves but I also know that some of you are concerned about missing a week and that's why we gave you this sheet okay if you have to miss a week I hope you won't but sometimes things happen um, you'll just want to, you know, follow the directions on here and we'll give you an access code just for that week to be able to get your materials online because we don't want you to miss out. We don't want you to miss out. We want you to be able to do that. So I want to make sure you know Kelly was the one that was sitting at the table out in the back. She's my assistant and if she, if you have a question about, oh, well, I'm trying to print these online and they're not coming for or it's not working or anything like that, I don't know the answer. She does. So you want to ask her anyway, and, and that, will, that will be a much better thing. I also want to just share right before we get going on with the teaching. It's really a little overwhelming to me personally to uh, commit to writing a Bible study for, you know, 11, 12 weeks because I, I started several weeks ago because I know what that means for me personally, and that means that I'm going to pretty much hold myself up in the house all day long every day, you know, for 10 weeks straight. And I can't stop because there's a deadline every week because you're going to show up, right? You are going to come. And um, you're going to be expecting me to talk to you about the scriptures and have me have something to say. And I don't just open this up and it all just comes. You know, I have to really seek the Lord and let him give me some revelation because it doesn't just come to me. 
and then you know it's all getting it done on paper and then I got to have it done in time to where we can get it to the people that know how to make it look pretty because I don't know how to do that and then they've got to get it to Kelly to make sure that she can get it printed and she's got to you know get all that done and then we've got to get it here and Denise is doing her part to make sure she has the songs and I'm just telling you all that because I want you to know I'm making a commitment to this thing and I already have and I'm very excited about seeing what the Lord's going to show us and what he's going to develop but I really want to ask you to do the same thing to make a commitment to following through, hopefully making a commitment to actually being here every week because the people around you are going to count on you being here. And I know there's all of us that, you know, here or there, we might have a situation. But we really want to encourage you to be a part and follow it all the way through. Most times with Bible studies, there's a real bang at the beginning and then everybody kind of fizzles out. You know, it happens all the time. And, and, and I, it's, it's just the nature of humanity. But I just really want to encourage you, and, and I wanted to share with that for you personally. I'm making a commitment, and our team is making a commitment to you that we're going to follow all the way through. And you know what? The blessings come for the people that follow all the way through and position themselves in a place to hear from God and to not let up until you have. And that's going to really take us all the way through the whole chapter. And so I want us to get started. I, w- I want to just pray for us that God would really just solidify our commitment. And I want to say to the people online to make sure you understand too, just like some of the people in here might have to miss, if you have a a Thursday night that you got free and you live in this area and you're doing the Bible study, you're welcome to come. You'll just still need to print your own materials because we wouldn't know you were coming and we wouldn't have done it for you. But please feel free to come if you're, you know, listening online and then all of a sudden you have an open night. So we, we just want this to be a time of being in the Word together. But I know that you're here because you want the Lord to speak to you. And so I know he'll do that as we follow through in those commitments. And I just want you to know from my end and our end as a ministry, we're committed to seeing it all the way through, you know, to, to that part in November. I think it's November 18th or something. So let's go ahead and just pray and ask the Lord to be with us. God, I just thank you so much for the opportunity, Lord, to be before you, to get away for an hour and a half, to worship, to see some sisters who are on this journey too, God that we're like-minded and kindred spirits with, Lord, to meet some new people and develop some new friendships, Lord. But most of all, God, we're here because every one of us really want to hear from you. We believe and we affirm tonight, God, that your word is living and active. Lord, that even if we've studied Romans 6 before, that you're going to speak to us in new and fresh ways, Lord that this is going to be a powerful time in every one of our lives, Lord, where you speak to us and set us free and give us new insight and new revelation, where you put us in positions where we'll have something new to share with somebody else, where you hide your word in our hearts, God, so that we can not sin against you, Lord, but that we can also live lives of righteousness, Lord, rid of self and full of your spirit. God, I just pray that as we come into these places each week that you would just have our ears open and you would speak loudly so that we would hear you would speak clearly i pray for each one of these women lord that you will help them as they're making a commitment you'll help me as i'm making a commitment denise and kelly who are making commitments lord to be a part of of seeing this thing through lord that you'll just give us that perseverance and that ear that wants to keep listening to you And God, I pray that you'll be with each one of us as we're studying and seeking you, Lord, that all throughout the week, Lord, you'll just be ministering to us and showing us things that you want us to know. Father, I thank you for the opportunity to come into this place. I pray a blessing on this church for allowing us to use this beautiful room. Lord, I pray pray a blessing on this time, and I'm thankful, Lord, that in our country we can gather together freely 
and study your word and open it up and say, this matters to me and I want to know what it says. And Lord, we do. So we just invite you here tonight. We ask you to be a part, to be at the center, to be the speaker of what's going on in this place, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay. So here we go with Romans chapter 6. I want to open your Bibles there. And if your Bible's anything like mine, pretty soon it's going to start almost opening itself to Romans 6 because I've been there so much lately. So let me just, as you're doing that, let me just kind of tell you. A couple years ago, as I started traveling more and more for the ministry and doing some things, my husband shared an idea with me that really has started to work very well. He encouraged me to just create a standing packing list for myself for when I travel. And so I did. And, you know, it's kind of gone through some transition as I learned how to get the thing, you know, better and better. And I just typed it out on my computer. And so now whenever I get ready to go anywhere, even if it's for just a personal trip, I go into my computer, print that thing out, and I've already got my list. And I know what I need. And I also steer clear of what I don't need because I've figured it out, how, how to do this thing. If any of you travel very much, you know airlines have a lot of strict requirements now, you know, about weight and size and security and all those kinds of things. And a lot of people still try to pack the way they want to pack, you know. But you learn pretty quickly if you travel very much that it doesn't work very well. The first time they threw away my big can of hairspray, you know, that cost 10 bucks, I was like, ah, won't be doing that again, you know. I didn't have a little one that day, and I thought, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, well, I learned really fast as I I watched them throw away the whole brand new can. Ten bucks, you know, you can't, please, you know. But they have people coming through all the time, you know, that do that. And I shouldn't have done it either, you know. But I was just trying to do my thing and do my own thing. And all that mattered was self at that moment. Didn't matter at the, the rules, you know. I needed my hairspray for the trip, you know. But anyway, if you try to do it your own way, more than likely they're going to throw away your stuff. You're going to get charged some kind of a fine, or you might even be denied boarding altogether. There was a woman in our church several years ago, and she was teaching little children, and she uh, had taken a big butcher knife to church for some reason with the little kids. She was doing some kind of an object lesson or whatever. And then her and her husband were leaving for a trip after that, and she forgot that the butcher knife was in her purse. And she's going through security. And, you know, they just took her, and I mean, they didn't get to get on the plane for, I mean, I don't even think they got to go till the next day, and now her name's on a list, and, all, you know, all kinds of things. I mean, these rules really really matter now so don't if you ever have to take a butcher knife you know somewhere make sure you get it out of your suitcase you'll learn really quickly but what does all that have to do with Romans 6 well the Lord has really put this parallel on my heart as I've been meditating on Romans 6 with my whole packing list see I've taken a time the time to create this packing list and I've learned what I need I've learned what I don't need for the for the trips that I take that list has become my guide well, you know what? Life is a journey. <laughs> Life is really a journey. And Romans 6 is like a packing guide that God has created for us as we walk through this journey of life. And it tells us what to take on the journey, and it tells us really what we need to be leaving behind. If you think about packing, if you're anything like me, packing is not necessarily an enjoyable thing. You know, a lot of times you put it off till the last minute. You're thinking, oh, i got to get this done or get the laundry done. And the, the reason I think that packing a lot of times, it, it's just work for one thing, but a lot of times it really makes you take a realistic view of things. Like, oh, I really don't have enough underwear to get me through that week. I'm going to have to do laundry. Or, oh, my goodness, every pair of socks you have, child, is got holes in them, and we're going to so-and-so 
and I don't want you looking like that, so then you got to go buy some new stuff. I mean, you have to take a realistic look at things when you're trying to gather things together. Or sometimes you try to put way too much stuff in that doesn't fit, and so then you got to go, okay, what do I really need? It's just that realistic look. And I want to say that to you because as we're going to be packing with Romans 6, I want you to know up front that this is really not going to be a feel-good, warm, fuzzy Bible study. <laughs> and I didn't really know that as I would, until I really started getting into it. And the Lord has been, you know, even just from the very first few verses, it, it's not that kind of a study. It really isn't. It is a very intense look at Jesus, and it's a very intense look at ourselves. But as we look at Romans 6, 1 through 2, and I, I want us to just start there tonight, and I want to tell you, I study and I teach out of the New American Standard. And so as I study and teach, I'm going to be reading Romans 6 from that. I don't want that to mess you up. If you're memorizing from the NIV or the NLT or whatever it is you're memorizing. I even had one girl uh, who's doing, she's just doing uh, Romans 12 off of our website now that we did several years ago. And I asked her a couple weeks ago, I said, now what version are you memorizing? She said, well, she said, I decided to just get all these different versions and, and read them. And she said, I picked like the verse 1 from this version, and I picked verse 2, she said, because I wanted to get it the way that it really made the most sense to me in each one of those verses. And at first I thought, wow, that's kind of different. But I thought, you know what? She's taken hold of that, and she's embracing that. And she took a lot of time to do that. So more power to you if you can. But that, that's kind of, you know, that, that, that's even a, a level up, I guess, or whatever. But I'm going to be using the New American Standard. So some of you, and it won't hurt my feelings, once you get going on your memorizing, if you hear start to do it you might have to go you know put your hands over your ears or something if it's going to really mess you up on on the wording and I know because a couple years ago when I first we were doing Romans 12 I had already memorized Romans 12 in the New American Standard but most of our people that were memorizing were doing the NIV and so I thought you know what I really should do the NIV it's going to be way too hard to just switch from what I already know and go into that and then I heard about somebody who had memorized Romans 12, and she was from Portugal, and she had memorized it in her language there, and she was trying to do it in English. And I thought, well, Lord of mercy, if she can switch from one language to another, I can go from one version. But I don't want to mess you up on that. But this is what I study from, and so I'm, I'm going to be working out of the American standard. But anyway, Romans 6, 1 and 2, it starts off with a question. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may? who died to sin still live. It starts out with a question. Actually, most of that whole section of verses is questions. So we're going to be talking about that tonight. But this first question is a very important question. In order for us to really understand what it means, we have to look at it and say, where is this question that says, what shall we say then? Where does that question come from? Why is Paul, who wrote this chapter, why is he saying, what shall we say then? Well, in order to do that, I think we have to look at the book of Romans as a whole. Romans is a book of truth. One truth just builds upon another. It's, it's, it's pretty meaty study to study the book of Romans. But if you go all the way back to Romans chapter 1, that Paul starts off and he's talking about of the gospel, how the gospel is so important to him. And he goes on and he explains how so many people are in need of the gospel because of the depravity of sin. In fact, Romans, one, Romans chapter 1 is one of the saddest chapters to read because it just really delves into the depravity of man and what it looks like for man to want to depraved, completely live for self. You get into chapters 2 and 3 and they really reveal that, you know, man has failed 
to attain any kind of righteousness, that everybody is depraved. It doesn't matter who you are. Even if you're a Jew, one of God's chosen, it doesn't matter. You're depraved, just like everybody else. And it also shares with us in these two chapters, Romans 2 and 3, how this depravity just separates us from God. But then you get into chapter 4. And once you get there, there's some hope because it reveals that man still has an opportunity to have a relationship with God and that man can actually do that by faith. And that chapter goes through and just really highlights someone that walked in faith. And then you get to chapter 5, and it describes in great detail how God has provided an opportunity for us to use faith to move into a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. In fact, I want to look at Romans 5, 18. This is such a neat verse. It says, So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men. That's talking about Adam. When Adam sinned through one transgression, then all of us were condemned. There resulted from one sin, everybody was condemned. But then it says, even so, through one act of righteousness, and that's the act of Jesus Christ and what he did for every one of us, it says there resulted justification of life to all men. Now, justification means just as if I'd never sinned, okay? It, it puts me in a position with God as, as though I was just as if I'd never sinned, and so I get to receive the life of God and have a relationship with him. So one man resulted condemnation. One man resulted justification of life. So you go through all that. You go through Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and then you get to Romans chapter 6, and the very first words are, what shall we say then? Do you see how that question is connected to all of what has just been said in those first five chapters of Romans? In other words, it's like you're saying, if you're a sinner, if you're separated from God, everybody's separated from God, but God stepped in and he made a way for you to have a relationship with him through faith. What's your response to all that? What is your response? I know as a mom, there are times that I just pour out my heart to my kids. You know, you've probably done it too. You know, you're just like, whoa, you just say the whole thing and they just kind of look at you like, and you think, you're not going to say anything to that? Or sometimes, even with my husband, you know, I just, you know, just been in, and I just share with him, I share with him, and he'll give me, like, one sentence. And I'll be like, you've got to be kidding me. That's all I'm going to get out of all of that. Well, you know what? And I, I'm not meaning anything ugly towards my kids. You know, they're just still growing in maturity and learning how to have conversation. And my husband, it's just a male-female thing sometimes. You know, that's, that's really all he has to say. And it's not trying to be mean or anything. It's just all he has to say. But there's something very different about when God speaks. <laughs> because when God speaks, it demands a response. We have to give a response. You cannot be silent when the God of heaven has just poured out his whole heart to you, explaining your sin, explaining the fact that you really need me, <laughs> you know, because you're not going to be able to have a relationship with me any other way. And I've, I've made a way for you. You, you are going to fail in every way to reach me, but I've made a way for you through Jesus Christ. And he shares all of that with you. It demands a response. And Romans 6, to me, is a response. It's a response to this journey of how we're supposed to do life with the gospel right at the center of who we are. To me, as I read through Romans 6 and I'm working on memorizing it, I'm finding it is a listing of how we should think and how we should not think. It's a listing of how I should act and how I should not act. It's a listing of how, in my mind, I should be looking and perceiving life and how I should not be looking at and perceiving life. It's a listing of how am I supposed to relate to this gospel 
and take this faith that I say that I have in this gospel and actually put it into practice. Now, I could go on and on with all of the different things, and we will go on and on over the next, you know, 10 weeks. But Romans 6, if you could just grab a hold of this, Romans 6 is like a packing guide, and it needs to be stored in our hearts with easy access. And that's why we're going to memorize it, okay? Because you're going to need Romans 6. I tell you, 12 years ago, 12, 13 years ago, God really impressed some things from Romans 6 on my heart. And I started hiding the truths of that, not word for word and memorizing, but just the truths themselves. And I cannot tell you how many times as I enter into certain circumstances that it just comes up again because it is such useful information to how to really practically live out this life of faith. So let's look at this verse 1 again. It says, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may increase? In other words, if Jesus has done all of this, if God has gone to all this trouble that we just kind of worked our way through, if his grace is sufficient to cover any sin, how are you going to sin? Are you going to just keep living the way that you're living so his grace can be even bigger? Now, it kind of seems obvious that's probably not a good response. (laughs) That's not the way that we want to do it. But in all honesty, that is the response that many of our lives give. And we'll talk about that some more. In fact, that's why verse 2 says what it says. May it never be. (laughs) May it never, ever be. Because it's not supposed to be like that. And I mentioned earlier that really in these two verses, it's just questions. Paul just starts off right at the beginning, just question after question. There's really three questions here. What shall we say then? That's a question. Are we continuing in sin that grace may increase? That's a question. Then you have the statement, may it never be. We're going to turn that into a question too in just a minute. And then, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? So really, we're going to look at four questions to work through this whole passage that we're going to focus on this week. So the first question is, what shall we say then? And we really have to stop and think, every one of us personally, and think, you know, how am I responding to that question? What shall we say then? And I think it's a question that as we are trying to walk out this whole, let's, let's be done with self, you might just hear the Holy Spirit whispering that in your ear. What are you saying? What, what are you saying then to what I have done in your life, this gift of salvation that I've given you? See, even though it says, what shall we say? It's really a personal question. It's really a personal question. It's got to be answered by every person individually because salvation is a personal issue. Even though Paul was addressing this to a group of believers, they all, at some point, were going to have to answer this question individually. I don't know if you've ever been on the receiving end of this question, what do you have to say for yourself? <laughs> really, that's more like this, what this question is. What do you have to say for yourself? How are you responding? What are you saying to the gospel in your life? Now, it's easy to say, you know, oh, well, I accepted Jesus Christ when I was eight years old and think, okay, that was my response to the gospel. Or I accepted Christ when I was, you know, 10 years old. But you know what, really, ladies, you're 25 or maybe some of us wish we were 25 or, you know, you're 57 or you're 45 or whatever. And the past is gone and you are not promised tomorrow. You've got to look at today and say, what is my responding to the gospel today? How am I responding to the gospel? Now, what is the gospel? It's a word that Christians use all the time. You know, we throw it around in our lingo. But I think we need to really understand what the gospel is 
to make sure we know how we're responding to the gospel to really answer this question. Romans is a neat book in that it really tells the gospel in a nutshell in quite a few different passages. And I want to look at a couple of those with us just to really define what the gospel is. Romans 3:23 is probably a passage that some of you have memorized. It says for all of short uh, or all for all of short. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption which is in Christ Jesus. Those two verses tell the whole gospel. Everybody's fallen short of the gospel or of the grace falling short of the glory of God, and then we've been justified as a gift by the grace of Jesus. That's the gospel. In two verses, we can understand that. Romans 5, 6 through 10 is a little bit uh, longer. Actually, I want to go through 11. Let me read this for you. I love this passage. It says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay, that's the first part of the gospel. We're sinners, we don't deserve it, and yet Christ has died for us. Then it goes on to say, much more than, though, that's, that's not where it stops, much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. So we have the salvation, we've been justified by his blood for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And then it's going to say, there's even more. It says, and not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's amazing. That's amazing. It takes us way beyond just the fact that we've been forgiven and been justified. We get to exult in Christ. We get to have a blessed life, a glorious life, a resurrected life. That's one of the things that we'll be talking about a lot in this whole Romans 6 uh, memorization and, and Bible study that we're going to be doing together. But the gospel, is, is, it's a simple message, and yet it's a profound and mysterious message. Sometimes we make it way too hard. But that is the message of the gospel, that God has stepped into our lives where we were separated from him completely. He made a way for us to come back together with him. And not only that, he's put his life within us. What happened in this separation is that there, our spirit died. Our spirit, God could not live in our spirit anymore. But when Christ came and Christ uh, died for each one of us and he put us in that position of being justified, it put us in the position where now our spirit can come alive again with Jesus Christ, his spirit. And that's why we'll never die and we'll go on to heaven one day because his spirit's going to live forever within us. And so the message of the gospel, you know, what is a Christian? A Christian is the person who has their spirit alive again with the spirit of Christ. (laughs) Because we've been set free to be able to live like that and to have that in our lives. That's the message of the gospel. I love Romans 6, 23. Many of you have probably memorized that too. It's actually at the end, and that's kind of good news for you because you probably won't have to memorize that again. You'll already know it. But it says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, if you're like me, you've memorized it from so many different ones, it's like you have to really work to get it exactly right from the version you're going to work from. But that's good, too, because the more focused time you give into something, God's going to show you some new things. But that's the message of the gospel. The wages of sin was death. That's what we all should have had. But the free gift of God is eternal life. You know that word life there? It, it means the life of God. <laughs> he gives us eternal life, his life living within us. So all 
these verses in the, their own little nutshells explain the gospel. God says it over and over again that we had a sin issue. We were separated from him. He made a way for us through Christ to allow his spirit to come back to life in us. And now we can exalt and enjoy this relationship with God and this blessing of privilege of being able to know him and walk through life with God. That's the message of the gospel. And so Romans 6 says, now that you know that's true, okay, what are you saying about that in your life? What does your life say about that? See, when we hear the word say, what shall we say then? We think, okay, what am I saying with my mouth? Oh, have I witnessed to anybody? Have I told anybody about that? Don't stop there. That's not, to me, that's not the heart of this question. It's what is your life saying? You know, they say actions speak louder than words. What is your life? What is your mindset, your attitudes, your behaviors, your, you know, your perceptions? What is that saying about what you know the gospel is. Because we all know what the gospel is. We know the message of Jesus. I'm sure what I just shared is not probably news to anybody in this room. You know the gospel. What is your life saying about the gospel? You know, when you wake up in the morning, how do you respond to the truth that you're no longer captive in sin? You know, what, what is your first thought in the morning? Are you empowered by that? You know, are you thankful? Are you joyful when you wake up? Because you've been set free. How is your life responding? the gospel. You know, when you plan out your day, how are you responding to the fact that the Spirit of God lives within you? You know, is He planning your agenda or are you planning your agenda? You know, do you have purpose in what you're doing that's eternal? Are you energized for, wow, what are, what are God and I going to do together today? You know, he's, he's living within me. When you encounter people in your day, how are you responding to the fact that through the gospel you've been set set free? You know, how do you respond? Are you full of mercy? Are you allowing that mercy and grace to reign your thoughts? Are you clothing yourself with humility towards others? You know, when you, in, in, in your day, when you come face to face with temptation, how are you responding to that temptation? With the mind of Christ? Because he lives within you. That's what the gospel says. Are you quick to flee? Are you seeking after holiness? When you're challenged by hurt and trials, are you walking in peace? Because the peace lives within you. That's the gospel. That the Prince of Peace has been born again in you. Are you able to claim the promises of God in your life? Because Jesus is right there and he's speaking them to you. That's the gospel. Are you trusting in the power of God that also raised Jesus from the dead? That same power lives within you. I tell you what, ladies, these questions challenge me. <laughs> you know, because I say, oh, I, what do I say to the gospel? I say, go God. You know, that's great. I love the gospel. I go to church. I sing about the gospel. But when you break it down into the itty bitty nitty-gritty details of your life. How are you responding to the gospel? How am I really responding to the gospel? What shall we say then? The way we live is a response to the gospel every day. Now, what about this next question? It says, are we to continue in sin so grace can increase, that grace might increase? I think this question is all about a mindset more than looking at specific actions. See, I think sometimes our minds just get so actually are living or we never really stop to ponder that question am i really just continuing in sin because i know god's grace is just free you know am i doing that the other day i was talking to this 14 year old boy and he was telling me how much he loves spending time with his grandmother and his aunt well that's kind of different for a you know 14 year old boy he's kind of hip you know and i, and I thought something's up here so i i you know i just kind of talked to him a little bit more and i said well, why do you like spending time and as it all came out he was telling me how well, they just don't have anybody to 
take me out and buy me things, and they take me to all these cool restaurants and do all, you know, and do all these things. Well, that sounded much more like, you know, a typical 14-year-old boy. But as I thought about it, I thought, you know, his grandmother and his aunt, they're doing that because they're really seeking a relationship with him. They want to spend time with him. They want him to care about them. and They want him to know them and, you know, vice versa and all of that. His motivation really in spending time with them is not knowing his grandmother and his aunt. Hopefully one day it will be. But right now it's like, boy, they're going to bless me. They're going to give me all this stuff, sure. I want to spend time with them. And so once I got to the real heart of it, I understood. Well, you know what? I believe this question, are we to continue in sin that grace might increase, is a question that really causes us to look at the heart of things in our life. See, the heart of the gospel is not that Jesus came to make a way for us to live however we want to and still be able to get to know God. (laughs) That's not the heart of the gospel. The heart of the gospel is that Jesus came to set us free from sin because sin very damaging. Not only does it separate us from God, but it creates all kinds of chaos and turmoil and consequences in our lives. This summer, the Lord showed me a phrase in Psalm 64. The phrase was the tumult of those who do iniquity. And I have been meditating on that phrase all summer. You know, tumult is not a word. It's even hard to say, but it's not a word that you use a lot. But what is a tumult? It's just chaos. You know, it's when everything is in a chaos. And it was talking about the tumult of those who do iniquity. I don't know if you've ever had a tumult of consequences in your life because of the iniquity in your life. It's just the natural consequences of the sin that's going on in your life. Read Romans chapter 1 if you're not familiar with the tumult of iniquity. I mean, it is full-blown depravity and the garbage and the junk that comes from that. You know, sin brings issues. You think about indulgence, it brings shame and sickness. Trusting in man's wisdom brings foolishness. Strife brings damaged relationships. Selfishness brings isolation and emptiness. Addictions bring brokenness and hurt. You could go on and on. And sure, his grace covers that stuff if you come into a relationship with him. But he didn't just die so that you could come into a relationship with him. He died to set you free from all of that stuff. If you keep walking in sin just because we know his grace is there, in my mind, we've missed the point of the gospel altogether. Because the point of the gospel is to rescue us from sin and all its damaging effects. The most important one is that it separates us from God. But then he doesn't want us to live with a tumult of iniquity. How many of you know somebody right now that has a tumult of iniquity in their life? <laughs> they're, they're experiencing all of that. That, comes. that is not God's plan. And they might know Jesus, but they're continuing in sin that grace might increase because we just get so comfortable in that. If we're really interested in the heart of the gospel, we have to ask ourselves that question and be really honest with ourselves. And it takes a little bit of time to be honest with yourself. You go, oh, check, I'm all right. You know? Or you can sit and really, really ponder things. I like that word ponder. That's another word that God has really used in my life over the last couple of years. He really pointed it out to me from a passage in um, Proverbs that I want God is just really reminds me of often. In Proverbs chapter 5, the first six verses, it's really a father talking to his son. and He's warning his son of the pitfall of being seduced by an immoral woman. Okay? But at the end, he's going to say something about pondering. Let me read this for you. These are the instructions he gives his son. He says, My son, give attention to my wisdom. 
Incline your ear to my understanding that you may observe discretion and your lips may reserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey and smoother than oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of her life. Her ways are unstable and she does not know it. Now, what's the principle here? When you don't ponder, when you don't stop and think about your actions, your heart, your mindset, many times you can just get caught up in a behavior and you don't even realize it and your footsteps are going straight to hell. It's basically what this is saying. He's, he's saying she doesn't even know it. She doesn't even know how messed up she is because she hasn't stopped to ponder her life. And ladies, I think that's why this Bible study is going to be a real blessing for each one of us who will really take the time to dig into what God is trying to say because it's going to make us ponder. It's going to put us in the position to say, wow, am I just continuing in sin and I didn't even know it? I've got these sin patterns in my life and I don't even see them because I wouldn't stop long enough to really let God speak to me. See, here's the point. When we don't stop to ponder, a lot of times we don't realize we're right smack in the middle of just self-focused sin. And we just have this mindset of, oh, oh, the Lord just covers it. You know, he's so good. He's so good. And see, without pondering, what ends up happening a lot of times, too, is we deceive ourselves about our self-focused sin. We might say things like, well, I just have an issue with overeating or, you know, I've got a problem with pornography or a situation where there was gossip or a habit that keeps me busy or a family pattern that's hard to change. And we use those words. We use issue, problem, situation, habit, family pattern. And really, if we would just ponder, we'd say it's sin. It's full-blown sin. And we just know the grace of Jesus is available. So we just keep living like that, justifying ourselves. And we can't justify ourselves. Who's the only one that can justify us? Jesus. Jesus is the only one. And as we move through Romans 6, Romans 6 is going to give us a lot of time to ponder. But see, it's not to crush us. It's to raise us up into this rescue place that God wants us to live, which is resurrection life, which is definitely going to be a theme in this whole chapter as well. Now, the third statement here in this whole uh, verses 1 and 2 is, may it never be. And I'm going to ask a question. A question on its own, but I'm going to turn it into a question. And this is the question. It's going to sound a little bit different, so just hang with me. Here's the question. Are we using God's packing list that has a theme, may it never be? Okay? Think about a packing list. Are we using God's packing list for our life that has a theme to it, may it never be? Here's what I mean. Earlier, I told you about this packing list that I had that I use for travel. Well, over the last couple of years, I've gotten this thing down to a T. And if it had a theme to it, it would be light and simple, okay? Now, when I started, it wasn't that way. But little by little, I started going through and You know, I really don't need to take that. I can get this thing down to light and simple. I've learned there's benefit in packing light and simple when you travel a lot. Because a lot of times I'm by myself, and I don't want to pay the money to check a bag. So I've got this bag, and I'm the one that's going to have to fit it over the thing. And for whatever reason, I'm always zoned for. So I'm always one of the last people getting on, and there's no room, you know, and i got to hoist that thing up and wiggle around. And so the lighter and simpler you are, the better. But you know what? For years, I did not pack according to light and simple. In fact, when I was growing up in my youth group, I was known as the girl who brought too much. I was always the one, you know, right, this was before, you know, you really even 
had suitcases on wheels, but I'm, you know, couldn't even carry the thing because I'm lugging it. And they would all give me a hard time. Why do you bring so much stuff? You know, the boys are trying to hoist the thing into the whatever we were putting it in. You know, and then when I went away to college. I would just go somewhere for two days, and I would pack this huge bag, and people would say, why do you bring so much stuff? And I would be like, because I really do need 10 pairs of shoes when I'm only going to be gone two days. I don't know which ones I'm going to want. And I would just pack all this stuff. But little by little, over the years, I've learned, <laughs> and I've matured, and I've realized heavy and big is not good. You know, so packing light and simple is very good. A couple years ago, I was, this was my like moment of arrival in this area. I was going on a trip with some adults, actually, and I... I and I packed light and simple. And I got to the place, and I got my little, I mean, little suitcase out. And I wheeled up. We were going to be gone for like four or five days, I think. And this man looked at me. He said, is that all you brought? And I just got this big smile on my face. And I know he was thinking, what did I say? You know, but I was, I was just beaming because I thought, finally, you know, I'm not the woman that has way too much stuff. He said, wait till my wife gets here. She's, she's going to have this huge suitcase. And she did, you know. And I just kind of chuckled inside because I thought, wow, I've really come a long way. But here's what I mean by all of that, Okay. When we're born again in Christ, you know, at first it's just, thank you, God, you covered me. I'm so glad to be covered in your grace. But hopefully we start growing and we start maturing and we get in the word and God teaches us and gives us understanding. And hopefully we get to the place where sin isn't just something we're forgiven of. Sin is something that we don't want anything to do with because God, through experience, God, through walking with him, God, through being in his word, has shown us how ugly sin is, how damaging sin is. And we literally have a packing list in our life, and it has a theme to it, and it is, may it never be. I don't want that in my life. And you're willing to humble yourself to people. You're willing to do whatever it takes to get that stuff out of your life and to hold it away. See, we want to live with a mindset. sin so grace may increase we want to live with a mindset may it never be that i am so consumed with myself that i continue to live in sin even though i've died to it through christ may it never be that i allow this ugly damaging stuff into my life and we have to ask ourselves what does my packing list for life really look like you know what does my packing list look like am i so disgusted with sin that i say may it never be not for me not for me i have a packing list not letting this stuff in my life. Or does my packing list for life have more of a theme like, oh, it's okay this one time? Or it really doesn't matter. No one's going to know. God understands. I've struggled with this all my life. And see, we, many times when we're not pondering, that's really what our packing list look like. You know, because we just make a lot of the time for ourselves. One more question. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? That's the way that verse number two ends. And it's really pretty simple. It's basically saying, if you've accepted Christ in your life and you're still living in patterns of sin in your life that God has made you aware of and you're not willing to do anything about it, then your life just doesn't make any sense. Because you can't say, I have died to sin with Christ and then be still living in sin at the same time. What does it mean to die to sin? What does that mean? You know, when you say to Christ, I want you in your life, basically what you're saying, and we'll get into this more as we go through this whole study, you're basically saying, I'm dying to self. Galatians 2.20, many of you probably know it. It says, I'm crucified with Christ. Therefore, I don't live any longer. Christ now lives in me. So you cannot die to sin and then still live in it. It just doesn't even make any sense. It, it doesn't make any sense at all. And when you think about, wow, does that mean I've got to be crucified with Christ? I mean, that can sound really bad. 
except for we also know the end of the story is the Lord Jesus on the cross. And as you go on and start memorizing passages, it's like not only do you get to immerse yourself in the death, The joy of this whole passage that we want to focus on. Once something is dead, it no longer lives. So if you've died to sin, you can't continue to live in it. It doesn't make any sense. So the question really that we have to ask ourselves is, have we really died? Have we really died to self? And there's a lot of questions tonight, aren't there? <laughs> a whole lot of questions, you know, just get, kind of get bombarded. I know as a mom, a lot of times, especially my daughter just went off to college. And I really, really miss her, and it's really, really hard. It's probably one of the hardest things I've ever done. And uh, that's what I was referring to even this morning, as I said, God is just so faithful. He met me right where I needed. But, I, you know, I get on the phone, and I just have to kind of like, you know, and I know she just feels like, enough already, Mom. You know, I'm trying to just learn to temper and not ask so many questions. But I want to know. One of the moms, we had some senior, um, moms of seniors that we all prayed together all through the year last year on Wednesday nights, and we'd call in on a conference call, and one of the moms, we, we all met kind of like for a boohoo to somebody else, and they said, for your boohoo session after you took them to college? I said, no, it wasn't really. Actually, she called it a boohoo session. And I said, no, we were together at night. And I said, we didn't boohoo too much. But one of the moms said, you know, I just want to know, did he eat a blueberry Pop-Tart or a chocolate Pop-Tart this morning? And I've just thought about that several times, and I'm like, yeah, I just want to know the nitty-gritty stuff that you just normally know because you live with them and they're not there. But, you know, she feels like I'm just asking her too many questions, and so I'm trying to back off on that. And you might feel like that tonight. Goodness, you just got in here. and Question, 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 question. You know, sorry, I'm not going to back off on this because this is what the Word of God says, and he knows better. But these questions are so important. They have great implication for us. And I know if we will really let the Lord ask, That they're wonderful questions, obviously, because God wrote them and, and he started this chapter this way. Although when, he, when this was all written, it, we all know it wasn't in chapters. But I believe even the Holy Spirit had, you know, lordship over that. He's lord over this word. But, you know, I think it's a great foundation for us, these four questions, because they really call us to look at the gospel. And that's what it really is all about. And when you really look at the gospel, when you really look at what Jesus did, you see that a self-focused life is absolutely contrary to the gospel. When you really look at the gospel. And I know that many of you, just like me, you're ready to come into a great understanding of how to say goodbye to ourselves so that we can really embrace the gospel for all that God meant it to be in our lives. A couple weeks ago, a woman gave me this book. It's called The Valley of Vision. And it's a collection of um, prayers and devotions that were written by the Puritans back in the 16, 17, 1800s. And I've been reading through some of it, and it's just really, really blessed me because I see, wow, back then, they had the same heart cries that I have. They were saying the same things. They just say it in much more lofty language, you know, and I, I just go, wow, these words. But I, I want to read a part of one of these prayers to you. It says, Holy Lord, I have sinned times without number and been guilty of pride and unbelief, of failure to find thy mind in thy word, of neglect to see thee in my daily life. My transgressions and shortcomings present me with a list of accusations, but I bless thee that they will not stand against me, for all have been laid on Christ. Go on, keep subduing my corruptions. Grant me grace to live above them. Let not the passions of the flesh 
nor lustings of the mind bring my spirit into subjection. But do thou rule over me in liberty and in power. I loved that because I realized that for, you know, all these years, these are just back, you know, several hundred years, but for all these years, people have been crying out to God, I want to be set free from myself. Once they come into the knowledge of the truth of what the gospel says, they realize self is not the best way. (laughs) Christ-centered, Christ-reigning is the best way, and that's what they want. And it's a heart cry. And I I know that all of us have that heart cry in our life, and I know it's time for God to really do something about it. Journeying through life with Christ is truly a heart issue. Many of you have heard the line in the song that says, Break my heart with what breaks yours. Haven't you? The song came out a few years ago, and that really has become a theme in my prayer life because I want my heart to break for the same things that God's heart breaks for. And I've learned that a self-focused life breaks God's heart. Because he knows what that steals from us. He knows how Satan uses that in our lives. But I've also learned if I will give him my self-focused life, he'll help me pack it up. He'll help me get rid of it. And he'll also give me something new. It might be a suitcase full of truth, you know, to take me through on this journey. So ladies, what are we going to say? You know, what are we going to say? 